Amen. So today is all about community. Um, in some ways, that's accidental because of the way the schedule worked out, and we have these child dedications, baptism. We have uh, communion, which obviously involves us coming communally together, encouraging each other around the Lord's table. Um, we're praying for families that uh, are in need, are in trouble, uh, offering our support to them. It's all about community. We love community. We're, hunger, we're hungry for it. We want to belong. We have a need to belong. <clears throat> but it's the hardest thing in the world to do. We sabotage ourselves all the time. We claim we believe in it. We yearn for the ideal of it. And uh, we don't know how to participate in it. We don't know how to fix it when it's broken. Um, so we languish in this lament for a lost community. Well, here we are, and um, how do we get there? Because unless you're just terminally embittered, you still, you still long for it. You still want it. You still want to be part of something significant, something larger than yourself, and... Uh, but something that includes you and ultimately, we believe, fulfills us. Um, yes, I'm an individual and I have my individual rights, but I don't want to stand alone. I don't want to live in isolation. Although sometimes I do and I retreat because I, I, I don't know how to connect here. Wow, it's a, it's a tough dilemma that we have as human beings. Well, it takes a new humanity to make a new community, to make a community that works. And that's what we're going to look at today for just a few minutes because community is just everything else about community is overwhelming the service today. So we're going to experience community and talk about it a little bit. And maybe in the long run, experience is more valuable than talk. So I, I, I get that. Um, let me tell you that I believe, and of course I've, I've gotten all my information from the New Testament, so this isn't original with me, the community takes three things. There must be three qualities in evidence for community to work. It takes trust. That's the foundation. If we don't trust each other, it ain't going to work. I don't care how beautiful, how talented, how exciting, how appealing. It's not going to work if we don't have a foundation of trust. All right? Secondly, we've got to have Peace. There's got to be harmony among us. Trust as the foundation, harmony as the context, as the atmosphere around us. And then ultimately, community comes together not simply for itself, creating a secure place, although it must be secured. Community is about building something, about creating something, about making something of our lives that we couldn't do by ourselves. So it's all that, and all that is in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 25. So if you look at the screen along with me, I'm going to read this out loud, and we're going to talk about these three qualities and how we get this kind of help from the Scripture, from the Apostle Paul, who says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Um, that's about transparency, that's about trust, that's about that foundation. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold, because it will shatter the peace that's essential 
for this community. And finally, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. We need to build something, not take something away from community. Not just be a community of takers. Obviously, you're not going to have community if that's the case. But a community of givers, of builders, of creators, of contributors. So let's talk about those one at a time. So we need transparency. We don't, we don't need pretense. Um, and you all agree with that? Of course you do. How come you don't do it? How come transparency is so hard? You say, well, I don't lie um, very often. Um, seldom get caught in the little lie. They're just white lies, by the way. They're just little compromises. And you know, I think we all can spot a bold lie. And uh, usually it makes headlines, you know, and it's usually, of course, built on a whole series of smaller lies, and all of a sudden it becomes a great big lie. And maybe you've fallen into that trap at some point in your life. Or maybe you have been burned by somebody who did that. And hardly anybody intends to do that, but if you head down that direction, allow a little bit of compromise, a little bit of deception to go on, you're afraid to face the truth, you're afraid for someone else to hear the truth, you end up becoming a liar. Nobody ever wants to admit that. But it might be good for us to acknowledge that we have the capacity to go in that direction if we are, in fact, compromising on the truth, telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. That's an oath we sometimes take, and I don't know how seriously we take that. And it's not simply about stating things factually, being accurate. Yes, that's important, getting the facts straight. Telling the truth in that sense is important. But what about the way in which we guard ourselves and hold out and don't share the truth about ourselves with other people, therefore not allowing them to know us, therefore not allowing relationship to happen, therefore not allowing community to be built? Um, I was with uh, a group of leaders this weekend, actually yesterday, and uh, there was a conflict going on between two of the leaders. And, but it wasn't an open conflict. You know, conflicts are often sort of subterranean. And uh, there was a distance between them, and you could feel the tension in the air, but you couldn't quite identify it. I had been with them long enough that I knew that something was up, and so I actually took them out of the room, gave the rest of the group something to work on. I took the two of them into another room, kind of like detention, with the principal, and I said, there's something I think we need to talk about that I've heard hints dropped, but I haven't actually, um, I don't think anybody else in the room knows exactly where this comes from, but I think there's a tension between the two of you. After about an hour and a half, while the rest of the group is doing whatever they're doing, wondering what's going on over here in the other room, and by the way, I think it would be great if once in a while we actually had to face the person with whom we have not been authentic where the tension is rising or they're doing it to us. Who knows what's going on here? Because after a while, it becomes a kind of a bilateral game that we play. And nobody's really telling the truth. And so it turns out that one of the leaders is, in fact, hiding behind a wall of, of image. Because he's terribly insecure. Because he feels that the other person is constantly criticizing him. Which, in fact, is the case. As it turns out, the other person is criticizing him because he figures that if there's good news, I don't need to say it. If there's bad news, I need to let you know. 
What a wonderful philosophy that is. Um, if that's your marital philosophy or your parenting philosophy, rethink that one, would you? No news is good news? No, the good news needs to be shared. So he's owning the fact that he's critical. And by the way, to tell the truth about that at some point is, is a liberating thing. You know, I don't mean to be, but I, I think I tend to focus on the negative. I think I tend to focus on the problems, and that's what you hear from me. And this guy over here is holding out on the rest of us because he's getting this criticism from this loud voice over here, and he's assuming everybody else is kind of feeling that same thing. Because the truth isn't out in the open, because there isn't transparency, you get a breakdown in community, you get a breakdown in team, you get a breakdown in leadership, and um, nobody means to do this, but there's not transparency. There is a kind of pretense going on. We fall into that. Speak truth to each other. You owe the truth to each other. This person is your neighbor. You're, they're, they're right next to you. If you're going to be neighbors and have the kind of relationship you need, you have to get to know each other. And that just doesn't, doesn't just mean the image you want to present. This means the truth, which means something about your struggles as the trust deepens. Something about the weaknesses that might be a, a difficulty for you. Um, um, it's all of that. We call that authenticity. And we celebrate that, but do we practice that? When you practice that, you actually build community. We're always afraid of, if we tell somebody else about our struggle or about our weakness or about our fault, they'll lose respect for us. In almost every case, the opposite happens. It's extremely disarming to hear someone tell you the truth about the difficulty in their life or something they're working on that's not as strong as it should be. Most of us, especially if there's any kind of goodwill going on, and especially in a community like this where Christ is at the center, most of us say, thank you for telling me that. Now I know how to be your friend. Now I know what you need. I, I know what encouragement. In fact, now I feel drawn to tell you something about me. I'd rather have you, Annie, up first, though. You tell me your stuff, and I'll think about telling you my stuff. But what if we made a pact with each other? What if we confessed our sins to each other, as the New Testament tells us to do? What if we presume that Christ covers the risk and that we make a commitment to love each other unconditionally as we have been loved? What if we did that? Communication, transparency, openness, the freedom to share, to build relationship, to build community. Where could we not go if we did that? The sky's the limit, and that's not even the limit. Um, and once you have a relationship like that, and you begin to build that, whether it's in a small group or in a larger setting, all of a sudden, I like being here. We're not perfect. In fact, pretending that we were perfect was kind of exhausting. Let's not do that anymore. Let's be human beings, human beings who are struggling to get into that place where God wants us to be, and the requirement is we tell the truth. We tell the truth because we owe each other the truth. You can't trust me if you don't know me. You can't trust me if you don't know where I'm coming from. You can't trust me. You can't know whether you trust me unless I'm willing to be vulnerable with you. Well, who's going to start? I think any of us get, gets to start. And when you do this, whether it's a marriage, a friendship, a relationship, or a team, a ministry team, a church, it's all good. God covers the risk. God has been completely transparent with us. 
He has revealed himself to us. He asks us to do the same with him and then introduces us to each other and says, uh, be the body of Christ. Represent me in the world. And the world is hungering for this level of authenticity and therefore of community. Anger. Shattering the peace. Be angry, the apostle says, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Be angry almost sounds like a command. Be angry. Okay, well, I'm, I'm doing that one. I'm very obedient. Um, it really kind of means when you are angry. And as a human being, you're going to be angry. And by the way, it's okay. It's actually a gift from God because anger is the sentinel that guards your dignity at the boundary of that dignity. It, 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 when something, somebody trespasses on your dignity, tramples on your rights, you get angry. It's, it's a signal that goes off. But anger is not supposed to have a shelf life. It's supposed to be a wake-up call that mobilizes you now to address whatever the issue is. If anger continues to go off like that car alarm that goes off all night, we got a problem because anger very quickly translates into resentment. Anger very quickly translates into a gutful of rage. And you walk around an angry person. I was, uh, I was counseling a young lady one time. She came to me, and her presenting problem was she couldn't get a date. My first reaction was, I'm not sure that's the business I'm in. <laughs> a couple of websites you could go to. Um, she said, well, let me tell you my story. So she told me her story, and she was married once. And uh, the man she was married to was uh, a, a, a horrible person. I, I, I you know, couldn't contradict that. And uh, he betrayed her, and uh, um, pretty soon, you know, uh, he was gone. Their marriage was over. And uh, it, uh, it hurt her deeply. It devastated her at every level. And I listened to this story, and I felt a huge amount of sympathy for her. I said, I said, I said when did this happen? Because it, it just seemed like the wound was so fresh. She said, 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Like it was yesterday. When you get hurt by another person, it's like getting stabbed. You better go to the emergency room and get some urgent care. You really need that. Better go to a counselor, a friend, a group, a pastor. Get some help because the trauma is pretty rough. But God has made us in such a way, our souls like our bodies, that when we get wounded, when we get injured, there's a healing process that needs to happen. What this woman has done is, and as she told me more of the story, I kind of you know got more of the problem, is that yes, there was this initial injury that was done to her. She did not deserve it. It was a horrible thing. Somebody's responsible for that, and they're guilty of that. I agree with all of that. But she didn't cooperate with the healing process. In fact, she went in the opposite direction. Because what happens is, if you cooperate with the healing process, somebody helps you close the wound, a surgeon or somebody helps you close the wound. I'm talking about physically now. And eventually that will close, and it will begin to heal, and eventually you'll have... Not nothing, but you'll have a scar, right? A scar. A scar is kind of a beautiful thing, if you think about it. Because a scar says, I was once grievously wounded, and now I've been healed. And the scar is the sign of that. In fact, in the area where you've been wounded, by the grace of God, you can actually get stronger there than you were before. In your weakness, you can actually get stronger. That's possible because God does that. It's kind of miraculous, but he does that. What she has done is she has reopened her wound at every chance to rehearse the story, 
to everyone who would listen and even to those of us who didn't want to listen. And it stayed fresh. And the wound was opened and reopened and the scab was picked and the anger was rehearsed and that now became the defining event in her life and she couldn't move past it. And now what had happened to her, she was now doing to herself. Does that sound unsympathetic, the way I've just described that? I feel an enormous compassion for a person who is continually looking for an audience to rehearse all of the things that have happened they continue to add to the resentment. You know, the word resentment is very interesting. The first two letters mean to do something over and over again, R-E. And then sentiment, sentimentality, is to feel it again and again and again and again. And instead of bringing it to God and letting him supply all of his resources, and God will say at some point, do you want to be well? Do you really want to be well? You want to get past this. Nobody else can tell you that, get past this. That is unsympathetic. That is unhelpful. But there is a way past it. There's a way through it. Because God has promised his presence. And community can be a healing setting and context for this. Yes, you share it. But it's getting stronger. And at some point you reach certain milestones and, and even breakthroughs. And, and God wants to use you to help other people who are going through something like that. For whom it is a fresh trauma. So be angry. Feel it. Get the help that you need. Go to court if you have to. If that's the righteous path for you to go in. Make it right if you can. But don't live the rest of your life in that place of woundedness. Be the wounded healer. Become the person who has gotten well or is on the process of becoming well. Because that's what community is, is for. And we're invited to experience that and to encourage each other. And once in a while, maybe we ought to stop each other saying, okay, I've listened for a while, but I don't want you to stay forever a victim, my dear friend. I want you to know that God can bring the healing and he can bring the victory that, that I think you've given up on. And let us be a part of that support for you. Okay, community can do that. And finally, anger of resolve versus grudge held. Finally, we have to think about, thank you for flashing that just in time. The thief needs to stop what he's doing. Now, obviously someone who steals, literally physically steals, is hurting us terribly. And uh, unfortunately, there's still such a thing as corruption. There's still such a thing as, as people who who take from the till, people who are unethical. And obviously this new community, <coughs> excuse me, this new community is not a place for that. This new community is a place where not only do we stop stealing, but we begin working. We begin contributing. And we work hard. And ultimately now we have something to give away. So instead of sucking the life out of this community, we're giving to it. We're blessing. Can I have my water, please? <clears throat> are you that person? Are you a blessing to the rest of us? You say, well, I don't know what I have to give. Oh, well, then discover what you have to give because you have a lot to give. 
Not only economically, that's part of it. Not only giving of your means, that's certainly part of it. To the point of being generous, absolutely. Don't you believe in what we're doing? Don't you believe in this community? Don't you believe in the mission that we have to share this good news? Be a part of it, but you have gifts and you have talents. Roll up your sleeves. What does that mean? I don't know what it means for you. There's all kinds of opportunities here and in other places and out there where you're part of a larger community. We're not just talking about building up an institution. We're talking about a community that responds to God's cues. And he says, here's some needy people over here. I want you to respond to them. Here's a school over here. I want you to be involved with this school. Here's someone who works right next to you who has a need. Here's a stranger on the street. Be generous. Be wise, but, but be generous. Have extra so you can give it away. You say, well, at the moment I don't have extra. I understand that. And there are times when you don't have a lot more to give. But that's the goal. The goal is to be in a place where you can get as strong as you can get so that you can give away what God has given to you. That ought to be kind of a life goal. Say, Lord, give me a lot. Not to indulge myself, but so I might bless the people who are around me. You see, if he's given you gifts, those aren't just for you. It's not just an exhibition of your strength. It's not just to increase your status. Because we're talking about building a real community and the community that reflects Christ. So that's who we are and that's where we are. And this is the challenge in front of us. So transparency, not pretense. Can you, can you move in that direction? Can you take the risk and believe that God covers the risk? The anger that may have settled somewhere in your soul, the resentment that you may still be hanging on to that's toxic, detox. Forgiveness is detox. Releasing is detox. Let that happen. Let us help you do that. Get the help and encouragement you need to do that. And if you're just a taker, What's in it for me? Think about transforming that into a whole different way of approaching, saying, what is, what is my gift? What is, what is the value of my time and my trade? What, what can I do with this that makes this community strong? The community of Christ. The community that's all about healing and all about um, transforming the larger community around we're going to move into a time of communion right now. If you're watching your clock saying, that's the shortest sermon Doug's ever delivered since he's been at GRX. I don't know, that might be true. So the lights have gone down. But I hope that you're seeing clearly what God is calling you to do to be part of this community. We are not here because any of us is qualified to be here. This is the community we belong to because someone else has paved the way. We know who that is. At least I hope you know who that is. It's God himself acting on our behalf because he wants to transplant us from the community of darkness into the community of light. He wants to transplant us from a place of, 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 of lonely, isolated self-centeredness even if we're part of a group where we don't really belong because it's all about me, transplanting us from that place into a community that gives itself away, into a community that blesses the people who are not a part of it. 
You know that old adage about the church is a club that exists for the sheer purpose of blessing people who are not a part of the club. And so we're not a club. We are, in fact, a community, but we're a, we're a serving, sacrificing community, which means we've got to be as strong as possible to have as much as possible to give away. First of all, of course, to each other. Because we need to be transparent with each other. We need to, to enhance the, the harmony in our relationships. And let me put it even as strong. We need to enhance the enjoyment of these relationships. As I was up with this fa- these families a few minutes ago, and as I talked with them you know, earlier getting ready for this, some of them I know better than others, what a privilege it is to find out about someone's life and to find out about someone's family and to hold a little baby in your arms. I mean, babies get messy sometimes. So it's not a simple thing. It's not a romantic thing always. But it's, it, it's a wonderful investment of myself to make. And even if just for a moment, I don't know where this is going. This might be a little baby I'll be connected with all of my life. Who knows? You know, in this community, eternal investment is, is a reality. And if you invest in somebody's life, and even if you're just kind of passing, but you've taken the moment to bless them, that just goes on and on because God is building something here. This is a movement, not an institution. It's a movement. It's a community that's on the move. And the effects you have on somebody else's life can be transforming on and on and on and on. The most transforming moment ever was the incarnation of Christ into our world. And the crucifixion of Christ for us as the culmination, the greatest demonstration of his love. So that this community that was all discouraged and scattered and uncertain about where to go could come together now in the certainty that God had intervened and has intervened. And not just historically for those people then, but for us here and now. And so you're invited to come And you make an individual decision to come, but you're making an individual decision to be part of something larger. You're going to be changed by this experience. Because this is communion. This is something we do in community. We each come with our own faith and our own doubts. We come to get filled up. We come with with prayers in our hearts about what we need, and it turns out that God meets us, and one of his great resources is the body of Christ. It is the community. So it's about the individual. It's very intimate. But it's also about us together. And if there are barriers between us, let's knock them down. If I'm part of the barrier, I've got a responsibility. If you are and you have your responsibility, I've got no control over that. But I'm going to keep the door open on my side. If reconciliation even has a chance of happening, I'm going to go there. I'm going to find out if it can happen. I'm going to ask God to do what only He can do. He can create that momentum, even in the most hopeless of situations. The worst enemy of community is indifference, is withdrawal, is resigning from this whole experience. So invest yourself, reinvest yourself, take a step forward, make the connection. And when someone does that to you, please open yourself and see that person as the gift that God means them to be. On that night, when he was betrayed, 
and could have been thinking only of himself and the pain ahead. Jesus was thinking of his disciples and he was, by extension, thinking of all of us. And he said, this bread represents my body. This is for you. And what he was saying is, I am for you. To know that somebody is for you is a beautiful thing. To know that God is for you, you can't lose. And he took the bread and he broke it, kind of an ominous sign of what was coming as the sacrifice would be complete. Then he took the cup, the Passover cup. This is an ancient Jewish tradition. But now he's infusing it with new meaning. This is my blood, my very blood, my very life blood poured out for you, holding nothing back. That's how invested God is in this new community and this new humanity that he's creating. And he's inviting you to be a part of this. And your expression is to take and drink when he issues the invitation. And so we're going to have, um, I'm going to ask the servers if they would come forward. And there's going to be a station on either side of me, either side of this table. And uh, you can come forward when you are ready, saying yes to Christ and his community. And to the possible transformation of yourself in this experience. There's no better offer anywhere. You'll not get a better one. And it comes to us today out of God's word and personally to each one of us. And so when you come up, take a piece of bread and dip it then in the cup and make this a moment of commitment. Again, to God and to the rest of us and the work that God is doing in us as well. When you're ready, please come forward.